Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guests are Stephen Coughlin, J.D. Sanderson, and B.K. Bass. Hailing from the capital of the Great White North, Canada, Stephen Coughlin spends his days erecting buildings and his nights reveling in the dreamscape. Since 2017, he has produced a myriad of flash fiction short stories, novellas, and novels, including but not limited to the Genmos Saga, the Nobilis series, and has had his works read on podcasts and featured in anthologies. J.D. Sanderson lives with his wife, daughter, and mini poodle in South Dakota. A lifelong fan of science fiction, J.D. enjoys writing smaller-scale stories that ponder how people deal with both progress and adversity. J.D. is eagerly looking forward to the debut of Around the Dark Dial with Kyanite Publishing. The short story collection is an ode to the 50s audio dramas he grew up loving as a child. And B.K. Bass is an author of science fiction, fantasy, and horror inspired by the pulp fiction magazines of the early 20th century and classic speculative fiction. He is a student of history with a particular focus on the ancient, classical, and medieval eras. He has a lifetime of experience with a specialization in business management and human relations and served in the U.S. Army. B.K. is also the acquisitions director for Kyanite Publishing and the editor-in-chief for the Kyanite Press Journal of Speculative Fiction. Together, Stephen, J.D., and B.K. were all involved in the Remnants Collection, an anthology novel consisting of 14 tales of post-apocalyptic survival horror, with Stephen being its creator and the writer of the stories Resistance, A Final Longing, and Against the Darkness, J.D. being the writer of the story The First Swarm, and B.K. being the editor. Remnants is on sale now. Stephen, J.D., B.K., Congratulations on Remnants. Thank you for listening to my long bio reading. I hope it came out good and welcome to the show. Thank you very Thank much. You. So we can just kick it off. My first question is usually where are you in the world right now? But obviously, I understand that right now that question, the answer is usually going to be at home. So tell us, each of you, we can start maybe in the order, Stephen, JD, and then BK. Where's home for you right now? Well, I already told you that home's in the great white north. I'm actually in the Maple Canada of Ontario. Uh, so. You know, one of those nice big provinces, a.k.a. the States of Canada. I happen to work right outside of the nation's capital, normally. Uh, but right now, as said, yeah, I'm quietly tucked upstairs where my kids can't hear me because they're all asleep on the couch as, uh, <laughs> as I try not to wake anybody during nap time. Awesome. JD, where are you based? We are in uh, the capital of South Dakota, right smack in the capital, although very, very small, town of about 15,000 called Pier. And I'm just uh, sitting around, walking around at home right now. Glad to be here. BK, talk to us. Where are you? Hi. I am uh, out in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere, a uh, little ways outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Well, welcome. We're excited to talk to you. We don't do a ton of interviews with multiple guests, so I'm excited to tackle another one. We previously had JD on as a guest before with a few other guests, so excited to have you back on, JD. So moving on to process, we usually frame our episodes around themes. In this case, I'd love to focus the episode on the process of creating an anthology book, the creation, the writing, the editing. Are you guys cool 
was schooling me on those processes. I call it educating, not schooling. <laughs> and it's yeah. only based on our personal experiences. BK, JD? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's do it. All right, process. First question. Are you guys okay with me doing my worst reading the description of the book itself? Yes. <laughs> All right, here we go. Strange clouds on the horizon herald the coming of the swarm. The undulating masses of the horde cannot be stopped. Terrifying creatures roam the earth seemingly with no aim but to devour all that stands before them. Experience the end of the world as we know it with these 14 tales of horror, survival, and hope. The world ends in a frenzy of death and miasma, terror, but what will become of the remnants of humanity? How are you guys feeling about the book being out? It's been a, a long road getting to this point, so it's really exciting to, to have it finally come into fruition. Yeah, it's a long road is a way to put it. I'm going to say right away, I'm going to take my hat off to the crew at Kainite. They bit off a lot more than they could chew, and they've been chewing pretty damn hard to get everything out. So a little applaud for you guys right there. <laughs> Thank <feel> you. The love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we definitely uh, have been ambitious, and we've been working our tails off as a result of it. I'm awesome. really excited. This has been a bucket list. I'm still relatively new to being an author. I've only been at it for two years now, and I grew up loving collections like the Bolo series or the more recent Metatropolis. So to be in a, in a shared universe with, with authors like these is just incredible. Awesome. Tell us, I know you guys mentioned Kyanite Publishing, and I mentioned it several times in your bios. Tell us what Kyanite Publishing is. How are you all involved? And did you always know this book would be published through Kyanite? Walk us through what that means and where it all fits into the book. I'll jump off on that one. Kainite Publishing is a uh, small independent publishing company that uh, myself and my business partner, Sam, started in 2018. Our goal basically was to provide a platform for independent authors to be able to get into a uh, traditional publishing kind of arrangement without going through the real hefty gatekeeping of like the big five traditional publishers. We've got a passion for storytelling and a passion for helping out our authors and being author supportive as a uh, primary focus. And the big thing, you know, the, the, the real dream and the passion for us is just finding great stories and getting them out there to people. Stephen here, what is Kyanite to me? Kyanite to me is another chance to go ahead and get my work out there. I've been writing for a long time, but I have only recently been published, as my bio says. Now, we could get into all that. There's a whole bunch of stories behind all that. We'll just go ahead and skip right over. Kyanite is another chance for me to get my words out. And they have a selection of my imagination. To me, Kyanite is a really good one for horror, for fantasy, for novellas. And it's a good place for me to go ahead and actually talk to the publishers. I have a relation with the various houses that I work with. And a lot of the relation actually comes with, uh, comes through to BK and, and him and I actually discussing. So it started, my relationship started when I actually was rewriting one of my dream punk stories and I let it leak on social media that I was doing it and we got into a discussion of what dream punk is and from there it started a relationship where if I come up with an idea or I have all these ideas I ask if Kai and I might be interested and if they are then I write up a proposal and I hand it over and if they like what they see we continue from there so Remnants was built on a proposal to create the first shared world anthology Kai and I had using stories that I already had in my existence ready to roll. And JD? I'm kind of, I've, you know, Johnny come lately to the group. I had put out my first uh, book through uh, another small press publisher, did not have the best experience. So I was just, you know, 
doing the Twitter thing, trying to find other publishing houses that had a, a good platform. And, you know, I talked with BK a little bit and I read a lot on the Kynet website. And I was like, these guys seem to have their act together. And they seem to have a, a really good focus of the, the fantasy, the sci-fi, the horror, uh, the genre publishing that a lot of other people still scoff at to this day. I saw the Remnants page on the Kyanite website and said, this is what we're looking for. This is the, 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 kind of the boundaries you have to write in. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. Uh, my daughter was only like six months old, so she was taking a nap one day. I wrote a short story and sent it off, and I was really thrilled to be accepted. You know, and since then, I've had uh, other things published with Kyanite and one more thing uh, coming up. So it's been an amazing ride. I would love to dive into, or start with, I should say, the inception of how an anthology book starts, because I really want to focus on what it means to create an anthology book, where you start, how you do it, so we can really get into the nuts and bolts, so to speak, of that process. Stephen, I think it would make sense to probably start with you. Tell us about the inception of an idea for an anthology book. Where do you get the idea? Why do you create an anthology book? And how do you even begin? All right. So where do I get the idea? Anthologies have been around for a long time. And there's a whole bunch of anthologies that are on my favorite shelf. I don't know if you're familiar with, with the book series, The Fleet, which was made by a whole bunch of famous uh, science fiction authors from the 70s and 80s. They wrote about the Krillian race coming in, invading all these different aliens, attacking it, or all these different aliens and humans getting together and how they dealt with it. Another anthology that I really like is Study War No More, which was written by several authors who had experienced wartime in Vietnam. And they came back and they wrote a science fiction anthology along the, along the theme of having peace, eternal peace, or what war does to the body and the mind in a science fiction setting. And I love those books. I desperately love them. They became, they, as I said, they're on my favorite shelf. And that's a, it's a very small shelf right now, but they're still beside my bed. And the last one I'm going to point at is the Bible. I grew up in a religious household, so naturally, you know, stories written by various authors, it became kind of a theme. So I wanted to do something like that. And I happen to have a couple of stories kicking around from days from years ago. Stories that I'd written, stories that I'd been editing, stories that I couldn't let go. And I realized there was a common theme in a couple of them. And I said, well, that's nice. But now, what can I do with it? They're short. They're too short to print up as a novella. They're way too short to make into a novel. I'm not going to stretch them out. What if I could do what they did with the fleet? with Study War No More. What if I could be part of something like that? It could be part of something of my world. That would be something off my bucket list. So I wrote a Bible about it, all the details that I expected to see, and I approached Kyanite, BK specifically, and I I said, here's my idea. Here's what I have. Here's the first story I have that, that shows you all the rules. If you like this, let's work together and make this happen. A couple of days later, I got a I got a reply to the email. We're go for it. Let's do it. Straight, easy. And then I stepped back and gave control over to uh, to the publisher. I let them take control, so I wouldn't have the responsibility of choosing favorites among the people who would be submitting. You mentioned the Bible. I would love to dive into what that looks like because that was actually my next question. Basically, the creation of the world, the characters, the continuity. I imagine as you're recruiting other authors, you're thinking, how do we keep this a coherent, consistent story across different authors and different voices? So how did you put that together? What did it look like? How many pages was it? I would love to dive into all the details of that. Oh, heck, I could probably send it to you at this point, <laughs> um, considering I'm, I actually have it open in front of me. 
the creation of the Bible was very, very easy to do because the original story of resistance I wrote years ago. So I have dozens and like I had pages and pages and pages of notes. So it's easy for me to go back and go over a story that I've known intimately for years and say, this is what I want. But it was broken up. First page was this whole introduction to sell it. And the first page is just the introduction. It's like a pitch. Then there's just some basic rules and a timeline of how this disaster rolled. And then just some story ideas that I would like people to do. If you didn't have an idea, and you, but you were interested, you could look up. And there were, I, there were ideas like, would the dead come back as ghosts to hunt a loved one? Well, guess what? Somebody wrote that one. A personal favorite of mine is, do you think anybody would write about Mongolian deathworms? Nobody did. Oh, there were plenty of ideas that I explained and I, I gave out. And I said, here's some ideas you guys can work with, but it's up to you guys to create because I cannot, I, it wouldn't be fair for me to tell you, here's a story, I want you to write it. I would, it's not that kind of anthology. It's an anthology where they're doing the writing. They're not ghostwriting for me. From a maybe marketing perspective or from a career perspective, what are the benefits for those writers who are listening to this podcast thinking, oh, maybe I could either get involved in an anthology or start an anthology? What are the benefits? Are there, I assume there are pros and cons to it, or particularly pros writing maybe a shorter story, get it into a book, get published, as opposed to spending a couple of years writing a book. For you, what do you think those pros are? Well. As far as for me writing short stories, it is something I use as a tool. I write in multiple genres. I've written for furries. I've written for furry stories. I've written fantasy. I've written mythological erotic crop opera, for Pete's sake. Yes, that's an actual genre. <laughs> and we published it. Yes. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just writing that one down. Why do you think I mentioned Fifty Shades of Nay earlier? I, we're, we're actually serious about that. I've written dream punk urban fantasy, and I've written, I, I love writing and exploring genres. The advantage to an anthology I find as a writer is it gives me a chance to merge with other writers' works. And I hope that one day somebody will pick up an anthology, be thumbing through it, say, gee, I really like the way this guy writes. I wonder if he has anything else. Look me up and say, oh, wow, look at that. So this guy who wrote this really nice story about X has written other stories about X and stories about Y and stories about Z and stories about X doing Z doing Y. Now I'm, I'm going to go ahead and explore them more. I use them as commercials. The other thing I use them for is I also use them to help pay for my website. I try to keep, I, writing to me is a passion, but I am permanently first world broke. As I like to say, I have a house, I have a mortgage, I have loans up the wazoo, just trying to survive in North America. So I'm permanently first world poor. I don't want to spend any additional money on writing. I want writing to support itself. And a lot of short stories and anthologies pay out in a small little fee called token payments. Those token payments have helped me to pay for my websites. If you ever visit my website, you'll see I have a myriad of short stories out there in various anthologies. It also gives me a chance to get to know the publisher. The more I know the publisher, the more I'm willing to look at them and say, listen, I published a story with you in this. I published a story with you in this. I have this that I'm thinking you guys might like. If I submit it to you, will you guys consider publishing it? Because not everything I publish is good for every house, or not everything I write, sorry, is good for every house. It doesn't gel with every person. So something that might not pass with Kyanite might pass with, say, Thurston Howell, 
or might pass with transmundane. This is JD. I think that um, as far as joining an anthology, as I said earlier, it's been a bucket list item of mine. One of the things that interested me about the the world that Stephen created was that it was so polar opposite of the science fiction realm that I that I worked on. I mostly write social science fiction and things on a small scale. So I looked at this as kind of like a challenge. I was like, you know, I don't want to be that guy who gets stuck in a rut. You know, the first two books and the short story I had published in Kyanite Press last year were all in the social science fiction bubble. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and dive in and see if I can flex my horror muscle a little bit and deliver a short little gut punch. You know, and that's why I looked at it as so fun. And hopefully people, like Stephen said, they see my name, they enjoy what they read, and they look me up. And they just say, hey, it's really cool these authors could all get together and create something so large. And JD, from a marketing perspective of promoting yourself as an author, what are the pros from your perspective of getting involved in something like this? How does it play into your plan for your own career? Me personally, I, I like seeing that someone has range and you know, some kind of creative has range. Like I said, I wanted to try and do something different than I was than the usual thing I I go for, my default setting. I want to be involved in, you know, in more projects like this down the line. I'd like to create my own. I have some ideas. I'm pretty much, you know, aside from editing other things, I am taking this kind of year off just to re to recharge because after writing two novels and, you know, twelve short stories in a, in two years, I'm kind of burned out. But Soon, I want to eventually make my own shared universe. I've got a couple ideas I'm just kicking around, so hopefully something cool will come of that. And I can thank Stephen and BK for letting me be a part of it and giving me the inspiration to do it. BK, depending on who ultimately made the decisions on the authors, walk us through that decision-making process. You have the idea, you have the Bible, you want to get these authors together to tell one cohesive story. Where do you start? Where do you find people? Did you have people in mind? How did you find JD? And I would love to, at the end, get JD's perspective on that as well. Yeah, this is BK. Uh, that was, you know, definitely like Stephen mentioned after he presented the proposal with uh, the Bible and the short story that he wrote. You know, that came over into my field. Then, you know, the first thing we did, we took all that information, set it up on our website, so we had the core information of the Bible, and that and that really made it easier to communicate to people what we were looking for. We had a timeline of events and everything all outlined, so. It was a really good, you know, organization of you know letting people know this is what we want and this these are the rules to to abide by. So we put that all on the website and uh, we just we hit up the writing community mostly on Twitter. Did a call for submission, you know, call for submission on Facebook. People just started sending stuff in. A lot of the people that sent stuff in were people that we did already have a relationship with through our magazine or through other book contracts. We do the the Conrad Press Journal of Speculative Fiction that you mentioned earlier. So a lot of the writers that are in Remnants are actually alumni from the journal. As far as the decision-making process, once everything was in, you know, went through, figured out what, you know, followed the rules the best, what fit the tone of the story, the tone of the world, and, uh, you know, of course, writing quality and things like that, you know, as far as uh, what kind of editing process are we going to be looking at, you know, what kind of uh, final quality are we going to be able to get out of this? what the author experience is going to be through the editing process to make sure everybody has a positive experience. So that was something, you know, like Stephen said, that that was, you know, I had control over that, so he didn't have to worry about it. Yeah, and we had quite a few submissions come in. Actually accepted a majority of what came in for it. There's only a few that we had to say no to. PK, what would you say for those writers who are interested in getting involved in anthologies? 
for the ones that you did not accept, what are some tips that you would give to those writers to ensure that when they do submit, they'll have a better chance of getting selected? I would say probably the biggest thing is, uh, you know, making sure your quality is up there. Edit yourself before you send it in. You don't necessarily have to, you know, hire an editor because, you know, we, we do editing. You know, most publishers will do in-house editing. It shouldn't be something the author has to put money out on before you submit. But, you know, get a beta read, have somebody look at it, give you feedback on it. You know, go through some of the ones, you know, for Remnants or the magazine or books or whatnot. I get submissions all the time, I'm constantly going through them, working with acquisitions. And um, you see stuff sometimes that you can tell that the author did not just go back and check themselves. Simple typos, uh, period missing, you know, you know, basic stuff. Some things where you can tell um, there was like kind of like a train of thought shifted halfway through. And if you read back through, you would have caught that and said, hey, I need to fix this. So things like that. You, you can tell if somebody put the effort into going back and revising or if they just wrote it once and sent it off. As far as like a shared world anthology specifically, really paying attention to you know what the publisher or the creator has outlined as far as what they're looking for, as far as rules of the world, events, timeline, uh, the tone of the story. And definitely don't be afraid to, you know, reach out and, um, you know, ask questions. I had a lot of people that uh, wrote for the remnants. A lot of the ones that got accepted were people that pitched me ideas, said, hey, this is my idea for my story. What do you think? You know, instead of just writing it and sending the submission blind, they reached out and then we made it a collaborative process all the way through. Those were definitely the more successful ones. I don't know if every publisher is going to be that open, but I know we are completely open to that kind of uh, in-the-process creative interaction. And JD, what was your experience submitting after there was, a, I assume, a call for these stories? Or did BK, did you reach out to JD? You already knew JD. How did that go down? And JD, how did you propose your story? Well, I followed, started following Kyanite on Twitter. And then I think uh, several weeks, maybe a month later, I saw the call to action uh, to submit for Remnants. So I went to the website and uh, and read through everything that they wanted, and I was and I thought about it for about a week, and because you know every every creative knows what it's like to have a little bit of self doubt, like is this a sandbox I can really play in? You know, I I was actually wondering if I could even sell real violence or or horror of any kind because it's not what I normally write. I wrote the piece and I sent it off. I think I actually did send it off blind, but uh, I got an I emailed in the email. I said, you know, this is what I'm thinking. It's a kind of like an idea of like a kind of like a grim introduction to the swarm. And um, BK wrote back and he was very nice. And he's like, thank you very much. You know, we'll take a look at it. And uh, I, I was able to keep in contact with him after that. And, you know, he was great through the editing process, you know, and I, I really like that Kyanite is the type of publisher where they don't try and they don't try and mold you into what you should be. They say, okay, this is the story you've created. As long as you know it's in the boundaries, you know, we're just going to help it make it be the best story possible. So it was a really good experience. PK, as far as working with the various authors, as you start to kind of develop the full story and you're working with multiple authors at once, I'm sure there are some anthologies in which one writer submits their story, that story is then passed along so the next writer can read that and go on. Did you guys at all think about that process or did you prefer to just send the uh, guidelines out to everyone and then everyone sends it and all their stories kind of all at the same time. And then you're kind of editing all together. Yeah. So, um, you know, with, with this project in particular, the way it was set up where Steven set up this timeline basically of how the events unfolded, but it was a very 
overview, um, you know, started in Africa and then X number of days later spread to uh, Europe, X number of days later started in South America, then spread to North America. And because it was a global event, you know, we had a, a large playground to play in. And uh, because it's the real world, of course, you know, that, that actually was a big benefit for the world building because he set up the, the creatures and the events and the timeline. But we had the whole planet of Earth to play with. So we have stories in uh, Isle of Skye in Scotland. We have uh, Cape Town, South Africa, the plains of Central Africa, a uh, little city of New, or a little town in New Hampshire, a gorge in Canada. It's all over the place. And that's really what we were looking for. And that was, you know, something Stephen communicated with me in the beginning was he wanted to see what other people's reaction to the event was. It wasn't about, um, you know, telling one story from point A to point B to point C. It was more about, okay, this thing happened. Now, ordinary people around the world, how are they dealing with it? How are they reacting to it? How does it change their life? You know, how does it affect the population of the entire planet taking these little, these 14 snapshots of these different, you know, families, individuals, communities, and how, you know, they've dealt with. And as far as timeline goes, some of it's while it's happening. It's, you know, the, the horde and swarm just pop out and nobody knows what's going on. Other ones are, you know, months or years down the road and they're rebuilding a society. So we really wanted to get that big overview and it created really personal snapshots, which was a great, you know, the overall theme of, you know, humanity striving to survive and coming together and supporting each other. That just kind of happened naturally. So we really opened it up for the authors to tell their own personal story, and it really worked out well. Was there a chance that any of the writers might have accidentally all written for the same period in time? How did you make sure that all the writers were varying the points in the story so you could kind of tell one cohesive story that went across that full timeline? We actually just really trusted in the, the community to send a variety of ideas. Quite a few of the stories are kind of around the very beginning of the event, which, you know, I think that's kind of like a natural progression of, you know, this thing happened. How do people react to it when it first starts? So there's a bit of that and there's a bit of, you know, down the road. Um, but really, yeah, we, we trusted the community to send us a variety to pick from. There's you know, definitely the possibility that people could have overlapped a lot, uh, but we got really lucky that, you know, like, so even with things happening at the same time, you've got JD's photographer in Africa, like on day zero, basically. And then you've got Michael Nadeau wrote a uh, girl in Cape Town who becomes a ghost. So it's a ghost story. And then you've got somebody else who's reacting to the events as they unfold by way of a website that he creates to this heat wave, basically kind of log things as they happen. So he doesn't have like the hands-on experience. He's more of the, you know, gathering information from the internet. So we really got a, a good variety. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. 
Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. The Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Alan Christian. I'm Gerald James. And I'm Lacey Day. And we host the Four Color Film Podcast. What do we do at the Four Color Film Podcast, Gerald? We watch and dissect every comic book-based film. Lacey, do you still like being here? Yeah, it's really great. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and wherever else they have good podcasts and podcasts like these. You sound like a kidnapping victim. (laughs) Also on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network at Flickering Myth. Dot com, along with other great shows. Check us out and check them out too. Thank you. Hell Zane. Hell Zane. Hell Zane. As far as writing the stories themselves, I would love to cover it from both Stephen and JD's perspectives on this. JD, obviously, you get the Bible, you're thinking, okay, where and when do I set this? How do I implement the guidelines, introduce the monsters, this kind of thing? Where did you even begin to come up with the idea for it? And how did you propose the initial idea? I assume before you actually went through and wrote the whole story, you, I assume, wrote an outline and sent that to BK. So tell us about that initial process. I actually write outlines for the things that I write. I am a true, uh, what's the phrase, pantser. I'm not a plotter. I'm a pantser. I just, uh, I think (laughs) I never really like to plan things out because every time I've tried that, um, fun fact, I tried to be an author for 15 years before I actually became one. It was because I always got weighed down in the plotting and things. And I eventually would get so frustrated that I was like, nope, forget it. Then I just started winging things. So, but, uh, it was great to have the the Bible rules that, um, Stephen created to go off of because then I could just say, okay, I, I literally looked at it and said that, 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 and that, that's what I'm going with those points right there. I want it to be the swarm. I want it to be early on. I want it to be in Africa. And I just said, you know what? I would be cool. Somebody who's relatively isolated, like a couple of nature photographers. And then I said, let's make it a chase. Basically what it is, it, it turns into like just a chase scene. It's very short. It's a, a, just a little over 2000 words, I think. So I just took that and I just, I said, let's have the grizzled old photographer and the young, younger photographer. And I don't know, can photographers be grizzled out? We'll just go with it. So I just I, I started writing it out and just let my fingers dance like I do with everything I write nowadays. And I had no clue how long it was going to be, but I got to a point when I was like, okay, I think it's time to end this scene uh, because I, I'm always afraid of artificially inflating a story, like Stephen said earlier about his work. So after that, I, I, that's when I sent it off to, uh, to BK and heard back from uh, several days later. Stephen, you wrote three stories in this book. Tell us, how did you choose those stories? How did you choose where they fell within the timeline? Did you have any access to the other author's stories? You could kind of piece these stories in between those. Tell us about your whole process of coming up with your ideas. All right. So first off, unlike JD, I am not a pantser. I am a plotter. I am almost hardcore on the plotting. All three of those stories had actually existed before in various formats. Remnant's Resistance was always the Remnant story to me. 
that one I wrote years ago when I first got a cell phone. Jeez, yeah, was that, was that 10 years ago now? 12 years ago? And I dictated the entire story into a BlackBerry and wrote it all out on a BlackBerry. 30,000 words on a BlackBerry. I have very sore thumbs from that. But I wrote that story. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that story, plotted it out, wrote it carefully, and based it on a whole bunch of late night video games that I was playing on Flash at the time. I even reached out to a couple of people and said, your story has inspired me. Awesome. Yay. So remnants, the resistance was always remnants, resistance. It was that story. It was a first and first person, then in third person, then in first person, then in third person. And I trimmed it down from 32,000 words all the way down from a novella to a novelette as I matured as an author. And as I found that there's things in my styles that have improved. I used to be very lengthy in my description. I really love adjectives. Over the years, I've learned to trim it. That's where I got that one narrowed down. And I said, that's awesome. That's what I want. Good. Against the Darkness didn't start the same way. It was never originally a remnant story. Against the Darkness was originally written for another anthology where they wanted to talk about the seven deadly sins. And I said, I want to write a story. And I'm going to reach out and say this one was actually inspired a bit by Neil Gaiman. Uh, are you familiar with the Sandman, the Sandman comics? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember that one author who kidnaps Calliope or Calliope? He gets yeah, a news Calliope from another author and he asks for ideas and Dream gives him many. And one of them that stuck in my head was he's on the ground pulling out his fingernails to write on the asphalt and the blood coming out of his fingers. And he says, partying against the darkness. And I thought I could take a story and write the deadly sins as people party against the darkness. And I wrote that story and it sat there and I said, I can use that for this anthology. And then I took a look at it and I said, no, I can't, but I can come up with something similar. It was the story I have still stored on my computer about partying against the original party against the darkness is called Esme's party. And it is just a trip down gluttony and lust and all that, right down all the deadly sins. And as I looked at as I looked at that story and I said, I want to use this, but I don't. I took the characters that I'd fallen in love with and I adapted them from partying against the darkness through sin to partying against it and holding on to the will to continue the will to continue to fight. What drives you? What drives those characters to continue to go when there's nothing else? How do you keep moving forward? And I took that idea and rewrote it in a couple of days. And then I did something. I didn't send it in with the Bible. The only one I sent in with the Bible was Remnants Resistance. Against the Darkness, and the second one after that, I didn't send, I sent in with the understanding that I was sending those in to be judged alongside my peers. A final longing, that's the last story, deals with, how do I put it without putting a spoiler, deals with the possibility of how humans could evolve out of the situation. And I wrote that as more of an erotic poem to begin with. I had this lovely, erotic, tone, rhythm to it and all that. And I wanted to make something where somebody regrets their choice in the end. But yet, did they really do the wrong thing? 
and I wrote it a couple of years earlier. So maybe, you know, not in the best, most stable state of mind. So as I've matured as a person, I took a look at it and said, you know, this poem has merit where it can be something beautiful instead and still show somebody having regrets for things they've done without, you know, the blatant in your face sexuality. So I cleaned it up a little bit and I said, I think this would work well and I'm going to submit it as the others have submitted their work. I already have one story in. I don't want to be greedy and say, they're all mine, 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 mine. I want people to have a fair chance. And it turns out that they just fit the anthology well enough to stay in. As far as the writing itself and page count, how did you guys know how long the short story should be? Is there a standard for a short story? Page length? Did BK advise on how long each story should be? Did you try to keep them consistent at some I imagine run longer than others. Walk us through page counts and getting a sense of how long your story should be. BK, I think this one is on um, you. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll fill that one. Yeah, I set, um, you know, basically a word count window. We do that with, uh, you know, all of our submissions, except for like the open book submissions, any anthology or magazine submissions, we'll set a window. Actually, it's been a while, so I can't remember right off the top of my head what it was, but I think it was like 2,000 to 15,000 probably was the window. So anything in between there was you know, fair game. And as far as voice and tone, this one is definitely for you, I imagine. How do you find the balance between keeping a consistent tone and voice and language throughout, while at the same time allowing the authors to have their own distinct voices? That kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier with the, the variety and uh, you know how the, the project was really anchored by the uh, events more than anything. So we allowed for different tones, and, and as you read through the book, you'll see there are different tones. You know, of course, with the situation being what it is, you know, it's going to be serious, it's going to be scary. We put out there the genre that we were looking for, that kind of gives you a clue that it was science fiction survival horror, you know, so, so people know, you know, we're not looking for a satire or something like that. But the tone does vary a bit. I think, again, we got lucky that um, we found pieces that had, um, I don't know if you call it the tone as far as, as much as the theme, that the theme across all of them was kind of a theme of hopefulness, that, um, yeah, we're going through this, but we're going to come out on the other side. We're going to pull together and help each other. You know, even the ones where, you know, maybe not everybody makes it, but there's still this community kind of feel to it where, where people are helping people. So. That was actually a pleasant surprise that the theme matched across it as far as the tone, just uh, the, the situation being what it is and the genre of what we were looking for and saying it's survival horror. You know, everybody kind of, that led them into the tension that we wanted to build. For both JD and Stephen, what did BK's notes look like? I imagine once you sent your stories in, there must have been some level of editor's notes. And BK, from your perspective too, feel free to give your perspective. What did that process look like of actually editing? Obviously, everyone sends in the stories. What are those next steps? Stephen here. The next step is you wait to hear if you've been approved. If they like your story or they say, we like your story with some edits, you get a document back with scribbles on it. And it's up to you to decide if you want to go ahead and continue with it or not. If it looks like they're sacrificing too much of your tone, you're welcome in a lot of cases, and this is not just Kai and I, I found this in a lot of places, you're welcome to email them back and say, um, I found this, 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 this. Because publishing and writing stories and getting anthologies out is all about teamwork. I, I don't want to say ownership. I want to say it's teamwork. 
because it takes the person creating the story, the editor editing the story, it going back to the original author, and the two of you to work together to come up with something that works for everybody. How about you, JD? What is your uh, experience on the editing side? Well, I think one of the advantages of having the shortest story in the book is that you have the least amount of edits and notes to deal with. But uh, as I said before, um, the notes from BK were very helpful, actually. They even allowed me to uh, beef up by a couple hundred words. The changes were small. Most of them were just you know, things that I had, I, I had edited the piece before I sent it in, of course, which anyone should do. But there's always things you miss once you've looked over something a dozen times. I was just really grateful for the tips that helped me keep it consistent. You know, no matter how much you try and pay attention to guidelines, sometimes you can certain things or you might say something that's a little bit off the path as far as how the story is supposed to be developed. Like I said before, Stephen put out some very good guidelines for how the, the horde and the swarm behave and what, they, what they're like. And um, BK was, you know, very good to say, you know, make sure that it's kind of more like this. You know, we don't want it to be off from what everyone else is saying. So I'm grateful for that. I didn't want to be the one guy who screwed it up for everyone else. BK, what about your perspective? What were your notes? What was going through your head as you kind of were reading each story? I imagine you were seeing multiple at once. How did you kind of sift through everything and thoughtfully provide those notes? My outlook on editing, a general sense, you know, for this project or any other is, you know, I try to preserve the author's voice. I try to, you know, of course, clean up mistakes, details, the technical, grammatical stuff, but also kind of help with the flow and tone and... You know, I'll try to identify things where, you know, there might be something that just feels off, feels a little chunky, try to make it flow a little smoother. It depends on the author. Some people, you know, it's a simple matter of just going through and looking for mistakes and, you know, tweaking a couple of things here and there, uh, moving a comma, add a comma. For other writers, it's a little more um, spit and polish and kind of sanding off the rough edges. Like Stephen mentioned, it's, you know, all about taking what the author has created and making it the best version of that, not making it something else. You know, a lot of people will complain about that with editors that, you know, you send in a, a book or something and they're like, well, I want you to delete these three chapters, get rid of this character and add in this. Uh, we don't like to do that. Um, whether it's for short stories for an anthology magazine or for an entire book, you know, our goal is to take that original vision and just kind of polish it up. I say that an author is like a minor. They're digging diamonds out of the ground, and then we're the jewelers. We're just polishing it up and making it look pretty. With Remnants in particular, there is an extra layer to the editing process that gets actually closer to technical editing, where you know I basically had technical specifications of this is what the horde looks like, this is how they react to fire, cold, heat, bullets, swords, whatever. Um, the swarm is this size and they can do this and you know basically the the biology and the uh, behavior of the creatures and then also the timeline of the events so i had to have all of that in mind and all the all those notes available and as i'm reading through the stories look for things where somebody says the monster does something or somebody does something to the monster that doesn't fit those notes that had to be changed now, fortunately the notes were so detailed that there wasn't a lot of that. There was just a couple instances here and there where somebody might have forgotten a detail or it just it was interpreted in a different way. So for the most part, it wasn't that bad, but it was an extra thing I had to look for as I went through that usually you don't have to worry about with uh, fiction editing. So it was kind of a, a combination of fiction and technical editing at the same time. Tell us, this probably goes to BK and Steve and both, 
especially since Stephen created the idea for the anthology, how did you guys know when the book was nearing completion? I imagine BK, once it started to come together, were you consulting with Stephen and showing him kind of where it was at? Or did you kind of just take the reins completely on uh, wrapping up the book and, and deciding on when it was ready to go? I would say I pretty much took the reins on that. Like Stephen mentioned, once he sent us the proposal and we contracted and everything, um, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, took control of it, you know. And like you said, you know, not really taking ownership of it, but uh, management would be a good uh, term for it. So, uh, you know, we were managing the project and everything. Basically, you know, we, we had a submission window. So everybody sent everything in during that window. And then after the window was closed, went through, figured out what we had, what was going to work. Uh, what was not going to work, and then all those, uh, you know, contracts with everybody, negotiations, um, the editing process, all that. So, you know, I kept Stephen informed throughout the process of what was going on because, uh, you know, it is his baby. So I definitely let him know, you know, okay, here's where we are. This is what's going on. You know, this timeline we're looking at. Like, uh, hey, you know, it's they it got back burned for a little bit with everything else going on. Like you said, we, we bit off a lot back in 2018. So it took a while to get it put together because we had so many of the projects going on. So I tried to keep him informed, and, and hopefully he'll say that I did a good job, or he might, uh, you know, throw me under the bus here. <laughs> but I tried to to let him know, you know, where we were and how things were progressing, and especially when we got into really ramping up and into production, letting him know, hey, I've got this many submissions; these many look good. Um, okay, we've accepted this many. This is our total word count. This is the page count. I'm kind of looking at. Hey, I've got. Edit sent out, I've got edits back, we've done contracts. Once we really got the ball rolling, I tried to keep him informed on where we were just for his information so you know he could get ready to ramp up into promoting it himself. Stephen, what about from your perspective? Obviously, you pitched the idea. BK kind of takes point on editing the book, but ultimately, you're reading this book of ideas, all people taking ideas from that Bible you created. How did you feel when you actually sat down and read the book? Did you feel like it accomplished what you set out to do? It was a literary dream come true. Yes, it accomplished. I knew there were going to be tones that were different. I knew there were going to be different stories, but that's the miracle behind anthologies. And that's why I submitted it. That way, I thought it would be best to see how other people could play with it. And yeah, I stepped back from the process as said. There's a reason why, too. One of my dreams as an author, as an already published author, is I want to get other authors out there. I want to help spread the word, especially with authors that I've really come to admire. There were a few stories where I was the beta reader for the authors before they submitted. I was the guy who went over it. And in some cases, I would have had creative differences with BK. So by stepping back, I let BK take the reins. But what it also gave is it gave me something when I opened it up. It gave me a surprise. It gave me a chance to see how somebody else took my worlds and people who created for that world and combined it into one narrative. It's exciting. It was a pleasure. And I mean, not everybody wants to relinquish control. It's very hard to say, here's my babies, take them, run with them. But this to me was an experiment and an experiment with somebody I trusted. And I was not disappointed to put my faith in BK and the team at Kyanite and the authors who wrote for it. And even some of the authors who were rejected, they put out good stories. They just might not have fit the narrative in the long run. They didn't fit the entire scheme. They were good stories, but they were just not 
fitting the vision that BK had. JD, what about you? What were your feelings as you saw your story amongst others? Did you feel as though it fit? Were you surprised to read kind of how it all came together? As far as my story goes, I was surprised and delighted it was taken. I thought it might be too short. Like I said, it's just a little, it's a couple, maybe, I don't know, like 2,200 words or something like that. But I wanted to do something, you know, I can be kind of lengthy when I write, so I wanted to make sure I kept something short and sweet. When I read it in the context of everyone else's story, I mean, everyone, you have 14 stories and you have 14 different tones, which is great. As Steven said, that's what you want in an anthology. Because if you steer everyone into the same lane, you're going to break every author's voice and you're going to remove something special from the mix. You know, something, the flavor and the substance that everyone brings to the mix is what makes an anthology special. So I was a little worried when I, um, I was really nervous when BK sent me back. He's like, here's your draft. Here's the edits. Take a look at it. I was like, oh God, please don't let it be completely full of red ink. And thankfully it wasn't. You know, there was just a few things I was really grateful for. But I, I was pleased that mine, my, my contribution to Remnants was, it wasn't duplicated by anyone else, which is nice, nice to stand out a little bit, but it also did not clash. It wasn't really, like static in music. So I, I think it was nice to just, I, it was a shot in the dark and it happened to work. So I was really grateful about that. Yeah, I just want to interject there, you know, on, uh, on the, the first swarm on JD's story specifically. You know, he's mentioned a few times here you know, that it's short, he's surprising, except and everything. But I want to say that the good thing about that story is that it's really intense, and the length of it actually helps that. Like you said, it's kind of like a chase scene. So you have that that intensity. It's adrenaline the whole time, and then it just you know has this this big climax to it. And that's why it's actually the second story in the book. We have resistance from Stephen that kind of like walks you through the whole uh, thing. You know, like he said, that, that that was Remnants before Remnants was an anthology. So it kind of walks you through the whole thing. And then the first form gives you day zero. It gives you the very beginning of how it started. So it really kicks off the anthology after after the resistance kind of lets you know what we're dealing with. First form gets the party started early. If you had to choose one piece of advice or learning from your career that you would like to pass along to those writers who are listening right now. Could be about writing an anthology. doesn't have to be. BK, do you want to go first? Sure. Because it's the theme we're talking about, I will tie it into writing anthologies and you know what the guys talked about earlier when you asked about career development and Stephen talked about platform building and JD talked about trying something new. You know, when it comes to writing short stories, it's a great way to experiment. And, you know, a lot of people dive in and go right into, I'm going to write a novel and then I'm going to write another novel. I definitely recommend, you know, experiment, try different genres, try different tones and themes, try different points of view, you know, first person, third person, switching from one point of view to another point of view instead of sticking with the same character the whole time. Or if you usually do switch, try sticking with the same character the whole time. Try new things. And short stories are a great way to try new things. It's a great way to, Build your brand by getting your name out there in different places faster than you could with writing novels. But from a artistic development standpoint, it's great practice and it's a great way to really find your voice because nobody can tell you how to write or this is the way you should do it. You, know, you see all that writing advice out there. My best advice is to experiment until you figure out what works for you. And short stories are a great way to do that. JD? This is where the artsy side of JD comes out. I think it always is a lot of fun to try and do something you haven't seen done before. Now, 
when I say that, that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, poo-pooing anyone who says, I want to write a fantasy book. I want to write a science fiction space opera. I want to write a romance novel or anything like that. What I mean is try and at least put an original spin on something, something that, you know, is like, hey, I haven't seen, heard, or read that before. Let's try that. And I think that when you, when you purposely try to put your own original spin on something, you know, wonders can happen. I, you know, I wrote my first book. I tried to just purposely, if anything I wrote sounded like something I had seen, heard, or read before, I threw it out. And I did the same thing with this. I mean, obviously, you know, there's only so many ways you can write a chase scene, but I wanted to just try and keep it as unique as possible. And, you know, there are a lot of, every author in this collection is worth your time. They're worth your time, they're worth your money, and they're worth your eyes reading it. They're fantastic. It's a great group that they've assembled here. And they all took something, you know, that we may have seen before, but they put their own spin on it. And that's why I think this collection is really special. I'm going to pass along the most important piece of advice for me that actually got me published. And it's, you are not above good criticism. Just because you wrote something doesn't mean that it is the bomb. Doesn't mean that it is the best out there. It might be the best for you, but you're only one person. Be willing to accept constructive criticism. It's something I struggle with today. It's something I struggled with for years. But if it hadn't been for constructive criticism, I wouldn't be able to take the edits I get back from the team. I wouldn't be able to take somebody saying, hey, Steve, I like this idea, but do you think you could change this? Because I've seen this done before. It hurts to do it. Take a deep breath when somebody gives you constructive criticism, and then take it as constructive criticism. You can turn around and debate with it, but if they make a point that actually sticks in your head, roll with it. Most people are out there trying to help you. There's trolls, but they'll get found out more sooner than later. That's my advice. Love it. My last question is the most important question of all. Drum roll, please. I'm being handed an envelope right now with the last question. Hang on, we've got to do the drum roll. Drum roll, if everyone can please. <laughs> oh my God, hurry up, come on. <laughs> we, we, we've never done a, a group drum roll like that. I love it. I'm opening the envelope now. And the last question is, did you guys have fun talking to us today about writing an anthology book? I had a lot of fun. And oh, I think this yes. one was super, super helpful for those who are kind of trying to dive into it and get a sense on where to even begin, how to put it all together, how to keep it consistent. So how did you guys feel? I'm going to go ahead and say, I enjoyed it. Hoorah! It was fun. It was entertaining. It was nice to hear from the other guys that I've mostly been writing with. Before. <laughs> I mean, I have heard a couple of voices before, but it was really nice to hear all of you guys. It was nice to uh, be able to discuss some more ideas. And yeah, it was fun because it was fun to be able to blab for a few minutes. I love the sound of my own voice. All right, I'm stepping back. Yeah, I definitely had a good time. I'm glad we got a chance to share a little bit about you know, how Remnants came together and the, the process from the, the creative standpoint through the organization management from my end, through the writer's viewpoint from JD's end. I, th I think authors will get a lot from this because they're seeing all the different perspectives. So I think this was a really, you know, really great experience. I always love talking with other creatives and, you know, kind of seeing where the conversation goes. You have three people here as guests today who all have different approaches to the writing and their creative direction. And I just think, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you have to be a very good chef to make those all work. When you do, it's incredibly special and like Remnants is. So I had a lot of fun today. I'm really glad to be back again. So thanks for having us.
definitely good yeah. to have a good team in the kitchen. Remnants is on sale now from Kyanite Publishing. I'm going to spell that for those who want to check it out. K-Y-A-N-I-T-E Publishing. If you go to the website, kyanitepublishing.com, you can check out Remnants there, among other books. Did you guys want to plug anything else? Twitter handles, websites, upcoming projects. Now's your chance. All right. I call dibs. Steven here. So as said, there's a few things you can keep your eye out coming from Kyanite. Um, or sorry, stuff that's already come from Kyanite, and including something that's free during lockdown, is a dream punk novella called Urban Gothic. There is also a, not quite free, but definitely interesting, human erotic alternate Edwardian history erotic crop opera called Fifty Shades of May. You can also find my other novel series, Genmos, book one and two, which is out right now, from Thurston Howell, as well as The Nobilis, the first book in the Nobilis series called Seedling. And you can always go ahead and visit my website, S-C-O-G-H-L-A-N, that's scoglin.com, for more information. Or you can find me on Twitter or Facebook as at words by SC. JD, you can find me, JD Sanderson, on Twitter at a sci-fi writer, which still to this day, I'm so glad I got that handle. You can also find my author page under JD Sanderson on Amazon.com. My completed duology, the uh, Footstep Echo series, is out now. That's a footstep echo and the clock snell, which wraps up the story nicely, I think. And then coming up later this year through Kyanite Publishing, I have Around the Dark Dial, as we mentioned before, 11 short stories, all different types of science fiction, but it's very much in the pulp 50s style and has a lot of fun. BK? You can find more about me. Of course, all my books are on kyanitepublishing.com. You can also find out more about them at bkbass.com. Also on there, I've got a lot of articles, uh, a lot of genre studies and writing essays, things like that. I'm a big speculative fiction nerd, so I've got stuff on there delving into all the different subgenres, uh, fantasy, a little bit of science fiction, some horror, cosmic horror. So you can find a lot on that website, on bkbass.com, different articles and things if you want to delve into that a little more. And of course, all my books are on there. I've got uh, 10 books out now that will come in the summer. Got my Ravencrest Chronicle series, which is a dark flip-flop fantasy set in a city called Sea Haven, where all the threats are so bad that the pirates and thieves are the heroes. I've got my uh, Tales of Dark and Stoutheart series, which is a heroic fantasy focused on dwarves. I've got a novel, What Once Was Home, which is a post-apocalyptic novel set after an alien invasion. Parting the Veil is the first in a series called Beyond the Veil, which is cosmic horror set at the outset of World War II. And I've also got a cyberpunk trilogy that the second book is coming out this summer called Nightlife. The first book was Night Shift. And that's basically your hard-boiled detective story set in the near future. Thank you, BK. Stephen Coughlin, J.D. Sanderson, BK Bass. Been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you guys for taking the time and for all your insights on uh, how to make an anthology. Thank you guys again so much. It was really fun. Thank you. appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Pleasure was mine. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys, and thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.